one of the guys said that he he's, he was moving, right? So we didn't have enough money and we couldn't sort of recruit somebody else to sort of take that over, right? So at that time, because I just started working now, I actually got a car um, off of my buddy because he sold it to me so he could get another car, right? So, so I, I got this used car. And then, so pretty much we had no place to go, right? So, and, and it's partly our fault because, you know, like if you know that the lease is coming up, you should start looking for another place or something, right? So I think we thought that we could probably get somebody else to come in, right? And, uh, and we couldn't do it. And then by the time you blink, it's time and you got to move out, right? And then, um, but it took us like, a because uh, at that point, I got a basement apartment with somebody else, but it took a while to get it, right? So, um, so I spent a good, I want to say months, maybe sort of, um, you know, just out of the car. I remember it was winter time. Right. So, so we had to sort of find, you know, parks or parking lots to go to that was quiet. Right. So you could turn the car on and keep it running so you could stay warm. And I tell you the best thing I ever bought was a sleeping bag that, that was, that's rated for like minus 40. Right. Because you could go in that thing, turn the car off, and you're good. <laughs> you are listening to the Derek Asante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. You already know what it is. Make sure to be a part of the conversation by downloading, streaming, and sharing every episode. Any and everyone needs to hear a conversation. Something very similar to the one that we're about to have right now on this episode here. I'm your host, Eric Asante, and today I'm excited to learn more about this, this brother of mine. He's someone that I've come to get to know over the years, and it's it's incredible for me because I have the most respect, not only for his integrity, but his character and the way that he commands the attention when he walks into any room that I've been in. I also want to have this conversation with him today about his journey as a person, a father, and a role model for others, including myself. We will not only be speaking about, um, we will not be talking about his career. I don't want to focus on his career. I want to focus on the person on this episode. And maybe next time we can talk about um, some of the opportunities that he's been afforded with, uh, you know, his drive as far as professionally, when I get to speak to him again, maybe, you know, during the year or so, but I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm excited to learn more about this gentleman. Please help me welcome my friend and mentor in ways that he doesn't even know. Andrew Dixon. Welcome. Thank you, sir. <sighs> so I usually open with a, a quote in each episode and um, the quote that I have for you, I'm going to share it with you. And then I just want you to share with me what comes to mind when you hear it. All right. It reads, you must either modify your dreams or magnify your skills by Jim Rohn. Yeah. So ultimately it, it triggers for me, like, um, like success is not looking for you. Right. So you have to go get it. Mm. But what does that mean? Right. Um, it just means that, um, like the way you're doing things, maybe you got to change that. Right. To match where you need to get to. Right. Right. That's what, and that's what initially comes to my mind. And what, what do you think of the term modifying your dreams? Like how, how do we modify dreams in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, you, we, we all, we say we dream big, but I don't think we dream big. 
right? I, I think we dream based off of um, what everybody else says or what society, you know, puts out there or different things like that. Like we, we sort of, we, we start our dreams based off of somebody else's dreams, right? So, uh, you know, I just take myself, for instance, um, you know, like um, I have a son, I played basketball. So, you know, I want him to play basketball, right? Right. So he's going to look at me and then he's going to see that I want him to play basketball. So his immediate dreams as a kid is, okay, you know what? I'm going to play basketball. Right. 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 He says it's his dream, but it's really, he's looking at my dreams and he wants me to be proud. Right. So, you know, he wants to do what daddy wants. So, so then he, he sort of falls into that dream until I think you get a little bit older and then you realize, Oh, maybe this is not what I want to do. It's not my passion. Right. 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 Isn't that interesting, though? But what when that happens, when they decide, I want to go somewhere else with my dream, how does that make you feel as a father now? Yeah, so for, for me, I really try to expose my kids, because I have a, a son and a daughter, mm-hmm. and I try and expose them to everything. And I always tell them, listen, even, especially my son, because he's older, and he did get into basketball. I was like, um, you know, I always tell them, you could be the best kayaker in the world. Right? right. But if you never kayaked before, how are you supposed to know that? Ooh. Right. So I try to expose them to as much, you know, sports, music, uh, everything as much as possible, just to sort of pique their interest. And then they could sort of because you always just connect to something. I think your soul just does that. Right. It just connects to something. But if you're not exposed to it, you could go through your whole life not knowing that this is what you love to do right. because you never got exposed to it. Right. So that's why I always tell them travel, you know, I always tell them read books, you know, I always read traveling books when I read to them. Right. Um, so, so the more exposure you have, the more you can, your, your soul will sort of tap into, okay, this speaks to me. Man. I like that exposure. It's true. It is critical. If you don't leave your surroundings, you'll never know what's beyond the walls. So yeah. Now, how tall are you? Cause you played ball. How tall are you? Yeah. So I'm six foot six. God damn. Were you nice though? I was nice, so so <laughs> you, you can't ask about basketball player that, man. Right? <laughs> I was nice, so I mean, back in the day, yeah. back in the day, you know, six foot six in Canada is tall, right? Right. But right. when we would play ball in the states, because we had we had tournaments that we played in the states, yeah, I would play against seven footers. You know what I mean? Or six nine is sort of like the average sort of height that you find in basketball, especially today, right? Yeah. yeah. But for me. I wasn't a creator, right? So for me, throw anything up and I'll grab it and dunk it. You know what I mean? I got the boards. You you get on the break, you're going to get the ball. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, once you get the ball and you create, I'll be cutting down the middle. You just get it to me, give me my two steps, and the ball's going in. You nice, know what I mean? So nice. so that was my game. Nice, you know? nice. That's like a, a, a three, a stretch three slasher. Rebounding, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, right? Yeah. But back then, you know, if you're, you're a big man, six, they, they stick you in the post and you're <laughs> yeah. back to the basket. You know, yeah, yeah. You didn't, you you watch the guards do the dribbling drills and you wanted to do it, but right. you can't because yeah. the coach is like, no, get back in there, right? <laughs> yeah. And now you're seeing, you know, six eleven guys dribbling, right? crossing people up, and, yeah. and it's like, man, I wanted to do that, you know, <laughs> you know, thirty years ago. <laughs> yep. The game wasn't ready for that. They, they weren't yeah. ready. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, if if I were to ask, you know, some of your closest friends or family members who Andrew is, what would they say? If you had to summarize that in like a few words. Oh, man. Like, um, if you were to ask me based off of my assumptions of what they think. Yeah. They would say a lot of people sort of call me the gentle giant, right? Because mm. when I come in the room, I'm this big guy because I'm 240. You know what I mean? Six foot six. You see this guy coming in 
And then once I speak, it sort of calms people down. Right. Right. So a lot of people call me the gentle giant. Right. Um, because, you know, I look intimidating, but as soon as I sort of interact or we have a discussion or whatever, then they automatically feel at ease. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because when I first met you, you didn't give off the intimidation um, vibe for me. It was more like, okay, he commands respect. Right. And to me, that's a little different than I'm, I'm afraid to be in his presence. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. Like I, when I first saw you, I was like, okay, he's very tall. That's definitely a sign of, okay, he definitely is going to command some attention when he walks in. But then when you start to speak, I was like, oh, he's not just tall. He knows how to speak and he knows <laughs> how to get, you know, keep your attention as well. Um, yeah. But I think the integrity kind of show came through for me where when you spoke, I felt like you meant what you were saying, whereas some people will speak and it's just rhetoric that they need to say. Right. Right. So yeah. Was... But it depends. Yeah. It depends on the environment you're in. Right. right. So for me, like, um, even when I was coming up and cause we played a lot of basketball. So, you know, you're going from gym to gym and different things like that. Yeah. And one of the things that we're even taught to do is intimidate the other team. Yeah. Before when you it... come in, you That's don't right. know what skills I have. Exactly. I'm not smiling. Yeah. I got the screw face on. Yeah. Right. And when we're doing warm ups, I'm dunking everything. Right. Yeah. So you're automatically afraid and you don't even know my skills yet. Right. 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 <laughs> Same if you're going to the clubs or if you're going to the parties. Right. Yeah. Like everybody's looking at the big man because, you know, he's the guy that's going to throw it out. Right. Right. So once again, you're sort of walking in with that screw face and it's like, you know, don't mess with this guy. Right. 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 You know, <laughs> I think it's an automatic sort of response. Yeah. Depending yeah. where you grow up. But it, it, I'm, I'm assuming it's benefited you over the years. The height. It has. Yeah. It has because um, because as much as, um, you know, you get that respect automatically. Right. Mm -hmm. And then but it's a two edged sword because then you have people who want to challenge you. Right. Right. So they're going to look for the biggest guy in the room and challenge him because they'll get the respect if they can take out the big guy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I always had that in the back of my head wherever I went. You know, it doesn't matter how small a person is, man. Yeah. All it takes is like one little tap of the chin and you're down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And do you find that it's harder to, or not harder, but more challenging to keep that respect than it is to just initially, you know, get it? Not for me, mm -hmm. because um, because for me, I'm not looking for respect. Right. right? I, I'm just who I am. Mm -hmm. And you either accept me or you don't. That's it. And, you know, and it is what it is. Right. And I think the older you get, the more you realize that. But for me, even when I was younger, like I was never looking for that. Right. You know, I just came and did my thing to the best that I could, right? With the tools that I had, and that was it. That's it. Where is where is home for you? Like if you look back from the beginning, let's let's go back there. Um, where is home for you and your family? Yeah, so so you know, for me, the bulk of my years were in Melbourne. So we grew up in Scarborough. Okay. Right? But before that, um, I was born in Brantford. Brantford, Ontario. So that's everybody should know home of Wayne Gretzky if you're into hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But that's that's where we grew up. So it's a little small town, right? I guess the closest place would be Hamilton that everybody would be sort of know, yeah. right? As far as cities. Yeah. And uh, that's where my parents, when they came from Jamaica, that's where they first settled. So I think my dad had an aunt that was out there, right? There's a factory that he could work at because he was a welder. And I think there was probably five Jamaican families you know, that sort of settled in that one small town. 
Wow. And the crazy part is like one of them was like a white Jamaican family, full <laughs> accents and everything, right? Yep. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you don't realize that, right? It's yeah. just like, yeah, they speak the way my parents speak, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I had I had one of those in my neighborhood. Um, it was a guy and he had a hardcore Patois um, mm-hmm. accent. And I was just like, I, I, it always confused me the first, you know, few years I, I would run into him. I'm like, but you're not jamaican and then i ran into right. a, an asian guy who was also jamaican i was just like wow okay right so i, I realized quickly that it wasn't about just the color because you can migrate into you know a country or a town and and become that right you, yeah you, you adopt that so that's pretty that's pretty cool so wait you didn't did you have any like a culture shock with that i mean you you kind of grew up in bradford so was it a, more of a culture shock going to malvern yeah so so it was a little bit because i think um because when I moved, I was, we were probably ten or eleven, so I was still young. Right. When when we came to um, came to Malvern, but I think at that time it was still sort of changing, right? Because at that time they didn't even have like the Malvern Town Center and stuff wasn't even there yet, right? Like it was all there's a lot of bush in that area. Right. So so it was a bit of change, but I think we were kind of eased into it, right? Um, because we're still at that age where you're still kind of young, and you know all that sort of pressures that come along with that stuff hasn't really hit yet. Right. So we still had the opportunity to adapt. And do you know the story behind how your parents met? No, so, so that's, that's an interesting one because <laughs> um, because they're they're you know like they're they're the typical you know Jamaican parents, and I shouldn't say typical. I just have to judge from off of mine, but um, but very strict, yeah. right? Um, you know, don't talk unless you're spoken to. You know, they didn't talk about big people business. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, not at all. Right. Mm. So, um, so I don't even know how they met. Right. But it is a question that I'm going to ask them because yeah. they're, they're in Florida right now, still alive, both of them, thankfully. Nice. Um, the only thing we kind of knew is that they both came up from Jamaica. I think my mom was going to go through England first because it was easier to go over there from what I understand. Right. And then somehow that fell apart. So they ended up getting married in Jamaica and then came up to, to Canada together. Oh, wow. So you've had them both in your life throughout your entire life? Yes, yeah. And what was that like, like having both of them? How many siblings, by the way, did you have? So there's five siblings. So there's uh, four brothers and one sister. So the sister's the baby. Okay. Right? And um, yeah, so there's five of us growing up. I think for me, it's the, they were always there. Mm. But they just did what they had to do to survive, right? So, so um, you know, from the stories we hear, you know, my mom would work the night shift because she started as a, I guess they're calling PSWs now, right. um, in a nursing home. Yeah. And um, so she worked the night shift and my dad did the day shift, right? And then they just sort of swapped, right? And then, you know, mom would come home and take care of the kids during the day, get a little rest when we went to school. Right. You know, my dad's at work and then he would come home, you know, do the handoff, wow. the time handoff, yeah. right? And, and that was how it was, right? And uh, the five kids and... You know, I, I just remember, um, like, they would get stuff from the farm. So we'd buy, like, a whole cow, right? Oh, wow. Chop up the cow, put it in the freezer, and then we'd eat that for the year. You know what I mean? Full, t- you know? <laughs> cow wow. Foot, cow tongue, everything. <laughs> tripe, all that stuff. We're eating it, right? Uh, we'd get goat's milk, and we would sort of boil the goat's milk. And then um, we'd strain it with, like, a cheesecloth. Yeah. And then, you know, my mom was the sort of savior, right? Because my dad is like, drink it, you know? And if you don't going to drink it, you go to bed hungry, right? <laughs> so my mom would get the syrup. You know the syrup that you can get from the stores? Like, uh, you could get the cherry syrup. Yeah, yeah, or the yeah. Cola champagne syrup. 
<laughs> and she would give us that so we could pour it in there and so it could taste a little better, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All this was happening in, in Bradford or, or all this was happening in Bradford, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that's how we grew up. So so when so yeah, that's how they sort of lived, right? And it was economical for them, right? Because even even when we moved to Toronto, now that stuff was more available in Toronto. Because I remember they would go to Kensington Market, right? And they would get cow foot, chicken foot, cow tongue, tripe, right. and all that stuff for free. Oh, they would give it. They would give it away because they didn't people do, didn't need that stuff. Right, 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 right. So so um so they would go and get bags and bags and just store it in the freezer, right? And then we'd cook that throughout the year. Wow. You know, and now if you look at you know, um, even oxtail, right? Yeah. It's like what ten ninety nine a pound now, right. or something like that, yeah. or probably even more now, right? Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Like it's funny because as you're describing this, I'm thinking Brantford, like, but I only know oh, it yeah. now, right? I I didn't know it existed right. back then, but but just looking back at it now, I'm realizing the huge difference in where we've come from. Because I remember even when I moved to Brampton, it was just more land, more farms, and that's right. disappearing over the years. But I can only imagine you being out there. Oh yeah, because they had farms everywhere, right? So you could right. go to go to a farmer and you buy the whole cow from him, right? Wow. And and he would he would do all the work, chop everything up, clean it up, all that stuff, and right. and then you just bring it home and put it in your freezer. Man, wow, that's incredible. How would you how would yeah. you describe your father as a man, like as a father and, and a black man growing up in Brantford and moving you you guys over to uh, Malvern? What was his character like? Yeah, so for me, he he always had that um, he because he was a big man because he was well, I shouldn't say was he is sort of six four, mm-hmm. um, probably two twenty, right? Oh, wow, Solid. so so yeah, so a big big man, right? And then you have my mom who's sort of like five seven, right? Um, wow. But um, to me, to describe him, it would be almost like you say, like uh, when he walks in the room, he commands respect, mm-hmm. right? Integrity, right? Because he was. Um, you know, he was a preacher, right? So okay. he had this little church that he ran, you know, and um, and we sort of all sort of, it was always, you know, Tuesday night, prayer meeting, Thursday night, Bible study, Sunday church, right? Every week. Wow. Right? So um, so integrity was high for him, yeah. right? Because he, um, you know, even though it was a small church, you know, he, he really took his sort of craft serious. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and he was doing things for the right reason, right? So it was all about his family, right? All about taking care of us, making sure that we're good, giving us a chance, giving us an opportunity, yeah. And doing whatever it took, right, to yeah. to help us be better. What What are some of the things that you think you took from him without even being aware that you were, you know, absorbing that from him? I think it's the integrity part, yeah. And I think it's the part that not caring what anybody thinks of what you're doing, yes. As long as you're doing the right thing, that will sort of shine through. So I think I, I kind of took that with me, even though like, you know, when you're coming up and you're a teenager, you sort of, you bow to the, to some of the stuff that, you know, what's the latest thing? What does everybody think? You know, what are you wearing? That sort of stuff. Yeah. But I think in general, what happens is as a, as you're growing up, this stuff gets instilled with you when you're young. Right. right. So we used to get the belt. We used to get all that sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's part of what helped us grow. Right. Right. As we grow, I think you kind of get away from a lot of that stuff depending on the environment you're put in and the stuff you have to go through. But I think that once you get through a lot of that stuff, the the original stuff that you learn from your parents, mm-hmm. it sticks with you, right? Right. And it's that guiding sort of light 
that it may be dim, but it's still there. Right. Right. And as you go through your trials and whatever, it's still there. And then as you sort of come out on the other end and get more mature, right, then it starts to shine again. Right. Right. It's almost like it's almost like a part of your roots, right? You need to it totally is. Yeah, you can sway left and right, but the roots it still keeps you grounded, and you have to go back to it to find out if where you went wrong. You can find out where you're heading and and why you're doing it. Some of your reasons can be found in the roots. So that's really- yeah, absolutely, and that's why I totally believe in that because I believe that um, even like your ancestors, even if you go back a hundred years, yeah, there's still a bit of that piece still there in yep. your in your system. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so there. It's so there. What impact did your mom have? Because she's clearly an instrumental part in, in that as well, right? That journey, right? five kids. So I think my mom was the counterweight to my dad, right? Mm. So um, so my dad was a strict person. If we got in trouble, we're getting the belt from him. Right. You know what I mean? Um, he was the one that didn't care. So even stuff like Christmas and stuff, he didn't really appreciate that Christmas was so, like you give presents and all that stuff, right? Right. Um, he was more like, you know, Christ was born and, and we got to respect that and, and celebrate that, but not with gifts and the commercialization of it. Right. Right. So we never had a Christmas tree. So my mom would buy, you know, one of those little Christmas trees that has the holes in it. And then you stick the, um, the, the pieces in. Right, right, right. So it's like one of those (laughs) tiny Christmas trees that would just sit on the piano. Yeah. Right. Um, for Halloween, like, you know, they didn't care about Halloween because, you know, that's just uh, a a negative sort of thing for them. Mm Mm-hmm. So my mom would buy us, uh, you know, candies that we could sort of take to school the next day to say we got candies too, right? But my dad wouldn't care about that, right? He's like, no, mm. we're not celebrating this, and you're not getting any candy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and just like the goat milk, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to drink the goat milk. If you don't want it, go to bed, <laughs> right? And then my mom would just slip us something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then some Milo, some Horlicks. You know, or something yeah. to sweeten it up. Condensed milk, just throw that in there, mix it up, you're good. That, that's too funny. What what's yeah. what are some of the benefits in the goat goat milk, by the way? I'm I'm curious. Well, I, I think it's just I think it's just the milk, right? It's just the milk that they drink. I don't even know, right? Because for them for them, I don't I, I just think that that's what they had when they came from Jamaica. Right. Right. And it, it's no different from cow's milk. Yeah. It's just it comes from the goat versus the cow. Right. Right. So, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's in there that makes a difference. That's something I should probably Google. Yeah. But that's why our parents lived for so long, man. That's it. Like, cause, cause both grand grandmothers, I didn't know my grandfathers, but both grandmothers lived into their late nineties. Wow. Right. So, um, so there's gotta be something in what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Now talk to me a bit about Malvern. How long did you live in Mar- Malvern? Well, since, since uh, I would say 11 or 12, right? Mm-hmm. Then we moved there. And then I was pretty much there till I was, I want to say, 18. Okay. And then uh, that's when I sort of uh, had to move out. So um, so I ended up in the West End. Okay. Yeah, so, so pretty much my sort of high school years were all in Melbourne. So talk to me about that. And then we'll move on to when you moved out. But while you were there in high school, how were you able to avoid some of the traps and just being in a neighborhood like that? That's influenced with, you know, um, violence, gangs, but it's still a community. Like we still live there and we, we are part of it. But how did you avoid some of those traps? Well, I think the fact that, that I played ball, I really think that that's what um, sort of uh, helped me when it, when it comes to stuff like that, right? Because we kind of, you know, we knew who the guys were, right? And they were our friends, right? And a lot of the, especially the older guys, 
they would tell the younger guys, hey, leave these guys alone because they play ball, right? And and then we were, you know, I played for Pearson, so we were a pretty successful team. And then I played for the Galloway team too. Yeah. So so we were a pretty successful team. So everybody kind of knew who we were, mm-hmm. right? And and that's one thing you got to respect, like regardless of what you think about um, the gangs and, and the different things that you had to deal with. Yeah. One thing they had back in the day, I don't know about now, but back in the day, um, they had that sort of respect, right? And they understood that um, this is the life that they're living, however they got there, right? But they see that, hey, here's a young kid that has a chance, yeah. right? So just leave him alone. You know what I mean? And and that was uh, that was my experience, right? Now, granted, other people may not have the same, but that was my experience, and I and I and I, you know, I have to thank sort of sports for that. Yeah. Um, because um, even though I was sort of, you know, you had one foot in, one foot out, but right. There was that respect there that yeah, that's the preacher's kid, right? And uh, yeah, and they play ball, right? So just uh, just leave them, let them do their thing. Isn't that interesting? So was that a term that they used to describe you, the preacher's kid? Oh yeah, oh yeah, because everybody knew sort of like we were always, um, you know, in in church on the weekend, yeah, right? And then um, you know the the Tuesdays and Thursday nights, that, that was always a thing, right? How everybody did, knew that. But how did that sit with you? Were you were you did you embrace that? Um, you know, having to go to church multiple times in the week and and getting that label from your peers and all that. Like, did you embrace it or was this something that you were kind of fighting um, not to necessarily have to claim? Yeah, so I think deep down I was fighting it, right? Yeah. Because um, a lot of the questions that I would that would, I would ask, we, they wouldn't have answers for, right? Right. So the typical answer would be, if God wants you to know, he'll reveal it to you. Right. You know, so yeah. so in my head, I'm thinking, well, he hasn't revealed anything to me, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so um, so I guess either he ain't talking to me or you know, or right, I listen right. something, right? So um, so for me, like when I think back, like um, I embrace it because that's who I was, that's what we did, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But um, but it wasn't something that I follow. Like even now, like I respect, I believe in God to a point. I believe that you know, there's a higher being there, right? I just don't believe in some of the the stuff that. I think that it's told that you need to do this right. in order to do get here. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that's that's more stemming from the religion aspect of it as opposed to... Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it gets misinterpreted or, you know, it gets skewed along the way and, and yeah. you don't know who to believe anymore because you didn't read the book yourself, so... That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Um, let's talk about... I'm thinking about the legal system. Did you ever encounter anything like that? Actually, before we go there, talk to me about when you moved out. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that was um, interesting because once again, it's, it's around basketball, right? So, so like I'm starting to get a little bit older, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm starting to get um, like I was, I was, you know, a decent player, right? Mm-hmm. So now as I'm getting older, you're thinking. You know, like for me, I was, I was a realist, so I, I wasn't sure if I would make the NBA, but I definitely knew that I could get a scholarship. Right. Right. And that was our ultimate goal back then, because back then they didn't look at, you know, Canada at all. Right. Right. So the kids today, they, they you know, they're blessed. Right. Because now they have the exposure, they have the camps, they have all that stuff available to them. We didn't have any of that. Right. Yeah. Our coaches sort of just got the good players. They played us and then that was it. They our coaches didn't have the ability to get us to the next level. Right. Right. So so we had to kind of do it on our own. Right. There was no social media, nothing of that to sort of show your skills, any of that. Right. So um, so as I started getting older, that was my mind was going because I was 
pretty decent in school as well, right? So, um, so for me, it's like, listen, I, I do good grades. I don't get in trouble, right? All I want to do is play basketball, right? The problem is all the basketball games were, and tournaments were on the weekend, right? And then from my dad's perspective, I need to be in church, right? So, so that's, when, that's when we started button heads. Like, I was always a good kid. I was always the one who made my bed, washed the dishes. Um, you know, when my mom came in in the morning, I would make her tea. I remember we would have to pour the Dettol on our hands because she wouldn't touch anything when she came back from the nursing home. So the first thing we did is wash our hands, right, in the morning. So she didn't want to touch anything. Mm-hmm. So my brother, my older brother, he would always mess things up on purpose, right? So <laughs> wait, if wait, my wait. mom asked him, right, so if my mom asked him to make tea, instead of putting one spoon of sugar, he'll put two, you oh, know, or three, boy. or yeah. you know what I mean? If yeah. he has to wash the dishes, he'll make sure that the pot's in the oven or something like that or under the table. Oh, wow. <laughs> so because I did it right, you know, they would always come to me first. Right. Right? So I didn't learn that. You know, I guess I should have just followed his lead, but um but I was just did it perfect all the time, right? So yeah. From my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm the perfect kid, you know, like, uh, you know, don't bring trouble. Don't cause, you know, don't talk back. Don't do any of that stuff. I got good grades. So all I want to do is play basketball. Right. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they weren't hearing that. Mm. So my dad's sort of like, listen, if you want to do this, then uh, either live by my rules or you don't. And if you don't, then you have to leave. Oh, that ultimatum. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. How old were you at got, that point? Right? I was what? 18, 17, 18. Wow. Yeah. So, and then me now, I'm the type of person that is like, um, once I make up my mind, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. Right. So, made my mind list. I'm gonna go out. Gonna um, chill at a buddy's house. Right. And um, I'll never forget it because I just grabbed the little stuff that I had. Right. And it's just clothes, really. Yeah. In a garbage bag. And I actually waited till they went to church. So it was a Thursday night. They went to church. I went in, grabbed all my stuff, and I was out the door. And then, then my buddy. Um, you know, like I forget the reason why, but I couldn't stay at his house that night. Mm-hmm. So I had to go in like the, you know, the TD banks where they have the little thing yeah, where yeah. you can, where, between the doors? that's where I slept. Yeah, man. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I slept. My first night on my own, man. Wow. That's where I slept. I'll never forget it. That's why I never look down on people who I see it, it, in those shelters yeah, or yeah. I never look down on them. Cause I remember, man, my first day out, I didn't have the place. I didn't have no place else to call. And for me, I think because I was so quiet and reserved, I, I either didn't know how to ask for help right, or I didn't want to, right? I just tried to figure it out on my own. Wow. Right? So that was my first night on my own, man. I'll never forget it. Wow. Yeah. What was going through your mind, though, when you were, like, when you decided, okay, I'm, I'm grabbing my stuff, I'm actually doing this, and then you figure out you can't stay at your friend's house? Like, what, if you can remember, what went through your head? Like, I don't I- know, like... Uh, yeah, for me, it was like, um, I always just dealt with the moment, right? So mm-hmm. now that I sort of look back and, and see some of the stuff that I've been through, yeah, you deal with what's sitting in front of you right there. Right. Right. And you don't really think about the future. You don't, you're not thinking about the past. I think you might be a little upset about it, but you don't think about the past. You're thinking, okay, what do I need to do right now? Yeah. Right. So the first thing is, okay, this is good. It's a little warm in here. So I'll go here. Right. And I'll figure it out in the morning. Yeah. And so were you only out just that one night and then you, your buddy was able to take you in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was just the one night. And then, um, yeah, then I was able to show by my buddy and then, then just figure out what's the next move. So right? how, how long did you stay with him for? Or I don't know. I, want, I can't even remember now. Like, I want to say it was like a few months. 
right? Because um, then I, I got a, an apartment in the West End because, um, because we had a couple buddies who were moving out, right? So all of us said, okay, we'll put our money together. We'll get an apartment. I think it was like a two-bedroom apartment, but there was three of us. Right, right. But they had a solarium, so one could take the solarium. So we just put our money together. I don't know how we got that apartment. Oh, wow. <laughs> this day, <laughs> but we got it. And I remember sort of moving in and, you know, this was my spot, right? And uh, and I didn't have anything. So I slept on the floor. It's just an empty room, right? Wow. And um, and one of my buddies had like uh, one of those sort of love seats that had a yellow, he had a like a yellow cover on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even the original <laughs> love seat, but you just put the yellow cover and that's all we had. Right? Wow. But, I, but I never forget, like, the first day I was there, because I remember, like, we would sort of, um, you know, go to parties and stuff like that and have to sneak in the house, right? Yeah. So so um, so there's this window in the basement that you could sort of get through. That mm-hmm. It looks small, like, it looks like you can't get through it, but we used to be able to get through that, right? Yeah. So we would sort of sneak in, and then you had to, and you know you had to be home before sort of 2 o'clock, right? Yeah. So, so you'd have to sneak in, you had to be quiet, that sort of stuff. And we didn't do it often, but we did it enough. Right. But when I moved out, the first thing I did was, you know, I came in after a party, I started cooking, started blaring the music, (laughs) you know, everything (laughs) that I, that I couldn't do. Right. I did it. (laughs) Wow. So were were you working at that point or did you find a job just to obviously sustain yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was, um, I had this part-time job because they're still trying to go to school. Right. So I remember transferring, uh, from Pearson to, um, to Mackey. Okay. Right. North Albion collegiate. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I was working this part-time job, just filling up trucks. So, so it was a 12 hour job on the weekend. So you'd go in at seven, leave at seven in the morning. And all you did is just, uh, gas up the trucks. Right. So it's yeah. pretty good because you could get a good 24 hours. Right. Yeah. In just the weekend of pay. Wow. Right. So that was sort of enough to sort of um, pull me through. But but it was, it was too difficult to do that, to do practices. Right. And then, of course, we had games on the weekend and then school. Right. So then I made the decision to leave school. OK. You know, it's like, listen, like, you got to work now. Right. Right. So um, one of my buddies had a had a job. Uh, he, he did like uh, cleaning carpets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was more money that was at the other place and he could get me in that, that job. Right. So I said, okay, well, this is what I got to do. Right. Like I said, at the time, you just, you just make your decisions based off of what's sitting in front of you at the time. Right. 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 So, um, so that was it, man. It was a wrap. Man. So did you end up finishing high school? Yeah. So, so I had enough to finish high school. So remember back then you had OAC. Yes. Right. So I had enough credit. So the credits that I was taking that year was OAC stuff, right? Okay. Because I'm thinking to go to university. So I'm taking stuff like calculus, you know, like right. um, all those big time, you know, yeah. physics, all those hard Geometry courses, right? And, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, um, so like I said, like I had enough to, to pass, but these were just the extra to get you in those university courses. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, but, but that was it, man. So that was it for, for school and that was it for basketball for me. Man, would you change anything? about that journey, that experience? I always say I would. <laughs> so my, <laughs> my first instinct is I wouldn't, right? Because it made me the man I am today. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. But the second thing is, like, if I would, because I reconnected with some of the guys I played ball with, right? And one of the guys told me, because like, I just disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I left Scarborough and disappeared and didn't talk to anybody. Even my parents, they didn't hear from me for two years because oh, wow. I was so upset, right? Right. Um. But even my friends, 
Like I just stopped talking to everybody. Right. And, um, and that's the one thing I would change because he told me, he's like, listen, man, everybody loved you. Right. Yeah. If you would have let even the coach, even my coach, I, like I met my coach years later, mm-hmm. right. Still coaching. And th- then he saw me, he came over and ran and gave me a big hug. And he said, listen, if you would have just told me what was going on, like they had stuff like, um, student, um, welfare and, right. you know, whatever my, my best friend who in high school, he said that his dad would have t- taken me in. Right. Wow. You know, like all that stuff was kind of available to me, but because I didn't ask. Right. Yeah. And because I didn't um, sort of divulge what I was sort of dealing with, because right. I always just kept everything in. Right? I learned that from a young age. Right. If you keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, you're good. Right. Because um, my brother was the one who's very vocal, always out there, you know, especially with my parents, like he would question my dad. Right. And then, of course, you get the belts. Right. right. <laughs> I right, learned right. early. Uh, don't question. <laughs> yeah. Keep your mouth shut. You're yeah. good. Right. So. So, um, yeah. So looking back, that's the one change I would make. And that's even the change I tell my kids today. Right. I was like, listen, even if you can't talk to me or if you feel you can't talk to me, find somebody who you can trust wow. and talk to them. Right. Ask questions. If you need something, ask for it. Like, don't be afraid, ashamed to ask for it. But it needs to be that trusted person or that yeah. that person who will, who you know, will do good for you, who will tell you the truth. Right. Isn't that interesting? It's so important. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. It is. Because I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm realizing I'm also reflecting on some of my incidences, but everything has a price. Yes. Right? Like in your story, all I'm hearing is silence had a price. Yes. Right? And, Absolutely. And it costs you something. So that's that's a great lesson right there. I think that's that's critical. People need to pay attention to that if you're listening. Um you know, everything has a price and you need to be aware of it. So, yeah. And, and that's the thing for me, right? So the thing for me now is making kids aware. Yeah. Right. That the choices that you're dealing with, like you may not think you have a choice, but you do. You do. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it's just talking to somebody, even if it's a counselor, yeah. even if it's a, you know, somebody you don't know. So, so it's not connected to your circumstance. Yeah. Right. That's probably the best thing because they'll give you an unbiased response. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Were there other interests that you had besides basketball and sports? Yeah, and like I'm, if I think back now, I think like I was just consumed with that, right? Um, I wasn't really, you know, like when you think about art or music, I remember like um, playing music, like um, my dad, my parents sent us to, you know, music school to learn the piano. Yeah. And um, my brother was a whiz at that, like, because he could learn by ear, right? So you could just hear it and play it. This is your older brother? Yeah, so... My older brother, yeah. Okay. And uh, and me, I kind of had to follow the notes, so I never took to music, never really took to art, right? It was always just sports because I was the all-around, you know, right. sports person, right? So, um, yeah. You mentioned off off air you had to spend some time in your car. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah. So so, what happened with that is is that um, the lease was coming up to where we were, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the guys said that he, he, he was moving, right? So we didn't have enough money and we couldn't sort of recruit somebody else to sort of take that over, right? So at the time, because I just started working now, I actually got a car um, off of my buddy because he sold it to me so he could get another car. Right. Right. So, so I, I got this used car. And then, so pretty much we had no place to go, right? So and, and it's partly our fault because, you know, like if you know that the lease is coming up, you should start looking for another place or something. Right. Right. So I think we thought that we could probably get somebody else to come in. 
right? And uh, and we couldn't do it. And then by the time you blink, it's time and you got to move out, right? And then, um, but it took us like, a because uh, at that point, I got a basement apartment with somebody else, but it took a while to get it, right? Yeah. So, um, so I spent a good, I want to say months maybe. Wow. Sort of, um, you know, just out of the car. I remember it was winter time, right? So, so we had to sort of find, you know, parks or parking lots to go to that was quiet, right? Yeah. So you could turn the car on and keep it running so right. you could stay warm. And I tell you, the best thing I ever bought was a sleeping bag that, that was that's rated for like minus 40, right? Wow. Because you could go in that thing, turn the car off, and you're good. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> you know? it, and it was like, long enough to fit you? Oh yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was enough to fit me. So, so, so that was that was like a blessing, and you had to spend money for it, right? Right. It was good quality, but that was probably the best purchase I made back then, because then you could keep the car off, right? Yeah. It's amazing how the things you think about when you're going through stuff, right? And once again, I probably could have asked somebody to stay at their house, and they would have told me no problem. Right. You know what I mean? But for me, it's like you know what? You got to figure it out. You got to do it on your own. You have this vehicle. It's a perfect spot. Right. And then what I'll do is um, I remember um, I joined um, Bali. Right. OK. So Bali opened early. So what I'll do is I'll go there early, work out and take a shower and then go to work. Uh, right. So that's where I got my showers. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, like nice. you just figured it out, man. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I really respect people. Like, regardless of how society judges them. Yeah. Of how they how what they're trying to do and how they're living their life or, or what they're doing with their circumstance. I really respect people because I can say that this man, I've been there and, and I could have made a better decision or I could have asked for help or I could have done everything, but I did what I thought I had to do at the time. Right. And you know, there's nothing better than that feeling though. Like, you know what you're capable of, you know what you're, right. you're able to accomplish or get through. But yeah, if, if yeah. someone is always there to help you, that becomes a crutch. Right. That's and, true too. Yeah. yeah. So it is a, a double edge, right? Catch twenty two because you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But not knowing or not having the resources, you have to figure it out. And I think that's exactly. where the character building comes in. Yeah. You know, and the, I think that's what that's where a lot of people find themselves today, right? Like they're just trying to figure it out, do it on their own and, and get it done. And yeah, you looking in, you're gonna judge them. Right? Well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Right? You know what? Because I'm doing what I got to do right now to survive. That's it. That's it. I think COVID, COVID kind of pushed people to that. Uh, yeah. I think we were reliant too much on a lot of different things. And when you realize you're not allowed to go here, you're not allowed to do this. Now you have to work with what you have. Yep. Absolutely. And so it forced a lot of people. And I think it also birthed a lot of entrepreneurs through that because your back is against the wall. You got to make ends meet. You know? Yeah. I, I, I was listening to a podcast and one of the things that was talking about is that right so um what it was saying was um that the the way the system set up because a lot of a lot of um workplaces want people back in the office right right and he said that if you look at it the way the system set up is that you're in the office so you come to your cubicle every day right and you do a good job medium job bad job doesn't matter you come and do your job right then you go home and then you take care of all your life stuff right then you come back in the office and you do that when you're in the office, you don't have the opportunity to look for anything else. You're just doing your work. Yeah. When you're at home, you have the opportunity to look for, oh, I can start a new business. Right. Oh, I can do this stuff online. Oh, I can do this, right? And then now you have all these individuals that have their side hustle going now. Yeah. And if they can build that side hustle, 
so it takes over their work they don't need to come back to work exactly right so 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 the whole system is kind of set up for you to sort of come in punch the clock go home right yeah now covid's really like you said pushed people into hey now now you have to do that side hustle yep and now they're making that side hustle work for them yep yep you have to because i mean if you think about it we go to work you come back you go back to work you come back and i think one of the things that i dread is when I'm at work, I'm constantly thinking about things outside of work. Right. And what I could be doing, that's going to be more fulfilling, right? Because work is work. And, yeah. and I think the basics that people need to understand is that if you're at work for somebody else, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else, by the way. It's just if you're there, your focus and your time and physically, you, you can only be there. Correct. Right? You, you, you can't be somewhere else. And so that's the part that you start to realize, wait a minute, is, is my time you know, as valuable here alone, or can it be, you know, valuable here as well? And what do I prioritize? Is it the family? And is it the work-life balance? And that's what we're all looking for, right? We want the work-life balance, yeah. but how do we get it, right? So Yeah, but, but somebody told me there is no work, there's no such thing as work-life balance. No, not really. I mean, it's, it's, no, yeah, it's a myth, no it's a myth, thing. right? It's an idea, yeah. it's an idea, yeah. right? Because yeah. you can't, it, it just doesn't work. Because if you're working yeah. for yourself, you're working harder than you were if you were working for somebody else. <laughs> There's no downtime. That's, right. That's right. And 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 I think that what happens with a lot of people is that they get comfortable, right? Yeah. So they're working. It's good enough for them. Yeah. You know, they get comfortable. So once again, like I'm like I'm really sort of tuning into a different podcast now with just just about sort of things like that, right? So of course you get all the reels and stuff, right? So one of the guys was talking about was he said fear, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people fear. Um, to, to be successful, right? Because of all the stuff that comes along with success, yep. right? And and a lot of people have fear, you know, that fear is that big monster that's behind you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're afraid to look back, right? But if you just look back, you'd see there's nothing there, right? So one of the guys said that his thing for fear is um, finally um, exiting average reality, Right. Mm, I like so that. So finally exiting average reality. And he said, what average means is when you become comfortable. Right. Right. So he's like, once you become comfortable, you need to push through that. Yeah. Right. You need to push through that and be a little uncomfortable. Right. And that's some of the stuff that I did even at work. Right. Just take on uncomfortable roles. Yeah. Right. And stuff like that, because I believe it's going to help you grow. Yeah. I like, you that. know, I like that. Yeah. Finally exiting average reality. I like that. That's that's definitely going to stick with me. I appreciate that. Now, I want to shift gears again because we know you're a father. You got two kids. How old is your son, by the way? So his son is 26. Wow. And, and, I, your, and your yeah, daughter is? And that's, my daughter is 10. Man. You're you're on yeah. two different planets, really. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> two different time zones, right? But, but for me, I think everything for a reason, right? Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's awesome. Now, talk to me about when you first became a father. What was that feeling like? So, I don't know. For me, like now that I think back, yeah. it was just a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have this 22-year-old kid who's, you know, trying to do the right thing, right? Right. Probably shouldn't be with the individual that he's with, right? right? But um, because of the circumstance, you find yourself sort of with this little being mm-hmm. that you're responsible for, right? Yeah. And for me, it was all about that, right? Like for me, it's all about sort of taking care of this little being because um, you brought him here. Right. So you need to do what you're supposed to do, right? And um, and without getting into all the logistics, maybe it's another conversation for another day. Yeah. 
um, you fast forward eight years, right? And then now I'm a single father. Oh, wow. Right? So now I'm raising this little being. And um, for me, it's like, it's all about this person. Like, um, I want to make sure that this person has everything they have to be successful. Right? So when they look back, they can't say, I was deprived of this or I was deprived of this because, um, you know, my dad exposed me to it. Right. Right. And really, and truly, it's just an exposure and it's, and, and to get it in their mind. Right. Cause for me, I believe everything that you're exposed to is, um, is in your brain. Right. And cause I was telling my daughter the other day, there's no such thing as smart people and dumb people. Right. I said, the smart people are the ones who get exposed to more things. Mm-hmm. And then, and that goes into your library, which is your brain. Right. Yeah. And I said, every person has a librarian. Right. And I said, the smarter people are the ones who train the librarian to find the information quicker than other people. Ah. Right. So, you know, when I tell you to repeat your timetables, that's training your librarian. Right. right? To find where nine times nine is, mm-hmm. you know, like it's that simple. Yeah. Right. So I said, the more you read, the more you expose, the more you travel, you're going to put more stuff in your brain. And the more you practice, the more you review, you're going to train your librarian to find that information when you need it. Wow. That is so powerful, yet simple enough for anybody to grasp. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and life can be that simple, yeah. right? But you just need to hear it from somebody. Yeah. Because if you have an individual who never heard that, you know, they'll yeah. never sort of be able to apply it, right? And for me, that's, that's where my sort of mission is now, you know, sort of turning 50. You know, you look, kind of look back and you say, well, I'm at the halfway mark or probably yeah. beyond the halfway mark. Yeah. What can I do to sort of leave my mark? Because I believe that's all people need. All people do need is to hear that. Listen, I have choice. Yeah. Um, you know, something as simple as that, like, you know what? Like for me to be smart, all I need to do is just practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause some people think they're, they're born stupid and you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they carry that with them forever. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, do you have do you have expectations that you've set for your kids? So I think the only expectation I have for them, right, um, is to is to sort of explore, right? Mm-hmm. Explore, read, travel. Like I always say that to them, right? Yeah. And as much as my daughter's ten, you know, you know, I, I still push that in her brain just so it, it sticks. Yeah. Right. Find your passion and then pursue it. Right. So. Um, for me, I don't put any expectations on them because for me, it's like your expectations, um, or what you become shouldn't be off of what either me or society says, right? Right. It should be, you should be living off of your passion. You should, you know, find what your definition of wealth is and then live that. Mm. Right. Because I think a lot of us base our definition of wealth off of, um, sort of what society says wealth is. Yep. Right. But, but, you know, for me, like, um, wealth doesn't mean you have a million dollars, right? No. Wealth means you could be surrounded by your family and everybody's healthy. That's it. You know, because for me, the most powerful thing is there's two things. One is time, right? Cause that's something you never get back. Yep. And it's something you can't control. I don't care what you do. You can't control it. Right. And two is, um, health. Yep. Right. A couple of things that, that, um, so time, you really have nothing that you can do with it. The only power you have over time is what you do with the time you have. That's it. 
right? And you don't know if you're going to live tomorrow, no. right? So you got to do what you have to do for today, right? And then health is another thing that you have control over by eating well, eating, eating sort of healthy, getting your exercise and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, like when people get cancer, yeah, all cancer is because we have a million cells that replicate every day. Yeah. And all cancer is, is one cell not replicating the right way. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. So you could be healthy, you could do all this stuff, whatever, and still catch it and die. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's like spend the time you have. Right. Cause I know, I don't even know if I have the next second to live. Yeah. Right. So if I'm living this second right now, right. And, it, and for me, it's, I'm sitting there doing a podcast with you. This will be sent out to a million people right. and somebody's going to hear, Oh, the librarian train the librarian. Right. And then they're going to tell their kid I've done my job. Yep. Yep. Wow. Now, you notice I said your podcast is going to go out to a million people, oh, right? Yeah. You put it out there. So you gotta, I like it. So you got to make that happen. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing that. We're pushing it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there something you wish to provide for your family that you haven't been able to deliver yet? Yeah. So, so for me, it's about legacy building, right? And part of that legacy, because what I'm listening to uh, a lot right now is that the legacy building through wealth, right? So um, we talk a lot about the, the sort of disconnect between, um, you know, the 1%, right? Right. Um, the people who have money and, and put it down to their kids and how do they do that? Mm-hmm. We need to do that as a sort of nation as well, right? Right. But we're coming from way behind. So I, I think of like even getting married, right? So when um, I went to a friend of mine, this is years ago now, but um, he was an Italian guy. And he got married. When he left that wedding, he came out with $75,000, right? That's after paying for the wedding and everything, right? right? Because the thought is you want to leave these individuals with a way forward. So, you know, they buy a house, they do whatever, and they start their journey, right? right? When I think of our wedding, right? You come there, you make sure you come with your Tupperware, you know, you drink all the alcohol, you play the music, you know what I mean? You leave with an extra sort of thing of curry goat so you're set for the week, right? And you don't even leave $10 there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, so, um, so it's a matter of changing our mindset, right? Yeah. And you can only do it through the next generation, Yeah. right? So that would be where I think like that I fell short because for me, um, I have sort of, in my mind, I have four kids, right? Right. So I have my two kids, I have a stepson, and then I have, I call him, you know, my, my son. So this, this kid was my son's best friend, right? So when he went to the States for, um, for um, community college for basketball, yeah. this kid was left up here and he was kind of lost, right? So he'd always be at my house. I would take him to all the basketball games, like, um, you know, he didn't have shoes because, you know, he didn't have a dad. His dad right. was in and out of jail, that kind of thing. And yeah. his mom was working two jobs. So I sort of took him under my wing, right? Mm-hmm. So so the, with this kid, he um, so he's kind of lost after my son left. Wasn't playing basketball anymore. Right. And he was going to drop out of school, right? So I told him, listen, why don't you go to the counselor? All you need is four credits. Um, let them know that, um, you know, you, you need a different way because school is not for you, right? right. So... Good thing with this kid is he listens, right? Because I think he saw everything that my son had, right? And, and you know, and he sort of looked up to me as that dad. And right. once again, like, I'm not thinking that I'm doing anything. I'm just trying to dealing with what I'm seeing in front of me, right? Right. So he ends up going to, um, so he does that, goes to the counselor. Counselor says, okay, 
I'm going to put you at Home Depot. As long as you show up on time, you go there for three months, Mm -hmm. you'll get your credits and finish high school, right? He goes to Home Depot. um, They put him in the lighting section, right? Because I told him that, hey, the trades, you can make a lot of money off the trades. Right. Right? So he's like, well, you know, I think I want to be a plumber, right? Because I think he had an uncle who's a plumber. I said, you know what plumbers have to deal with? Right. So think about that <laughs> before you make your decisions, right? Maybe you need to go out with your uncle for a couple of trips and yeah. then maybe you're not wanting to do that anymore, right? right. So, so fast forward, he, he's at um, Home Depot. He, um, he puts, they put him in the, in the lighting section. And, you know, like I always say, you judge people from the way they look, but you really shouldn't, right? So yeah. you look at this kid, he has braids, he has his pants done, hanging down, yeah. you know, across his bum, right? Um, and you're going to judge him, right? Uh, an electrician came in and saw him, and he's so personable that he took a liking to him, right? So, you know, when you go to Home Depot, you don't just go once, right? You go 10 times, 15 right. times, right? Exactly. Especially if it's, your, if it's your job, right? Yeah. So he takes him under his wing and makes him an apprentice. Right. He's starting to be an apprentice because in apprentice, some of the stuff with the union, they, they kind of um, pay you to go back to school. He goes to Durham college, right. Because he got his four credits, right. Mm-hmm. Goes to Durham college. Now he's now a full fledged electrician. Wow. Right. And, and that's just because he kind of listened to my guidance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and me guiding the way, right. Like I remember he wanted to get a car, right. I actually, so I had sort of two cars and one, sort of winter car, right? Yeah. And uh, and I gave him my winter car so he could drive, right? Because once again, you know, you have this young kid. Yeah. He has two two babies already. Oh, wow. Right? Bef- you know, but, you know, and I'm thinking, what's the hardest thing for you to do as a kid is to get a vehicle, yeah. right? Because I'm thinking back when I was 20, yeah. when I had my first son, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to trust you with my car because I know how hard it is for you to get around, Yeah. right? You can, you know, pay me a little bit a month. If you can't afford it, let me know, right? Yeah. And then this car will be yours, right? Right. And he did that. He only missed one payment because he had to get Pampers or something, right? But he called me before. So yeah. here's a kid who listened, mm-hmm. right? Now you fast forward, and now he's become an electrician. Now he's making money supporting his kids, right? Wow. He phoned me the other day, and even his mom phoned me on Father's Day to say, hey, like, you are more of a father than his father was ever, and she broke down crying saying thank wow. you, right? But for me, it's not something that I – it's just something that is organic, right. Right? right? And I saw this kid needed something. I gave him that thing, and he listened. So I always tell him, you're the one who listens, which yeah. is why you are where you are, yeah. right? When the car broke down, he wanted to get some infinity with tinted windows and all this stuff. I was like, Shaquille, why are you doing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get a pickup truck. I said, how many people get pulled over in pickup trucks? Right. Right? right. You know you have your dreads. You know you're, you're yeah. still living in Malvern. <laughs> right? What do you think is going to happen when you come come home at, or you're leaving at 5 in the morning to go yeah. to work? Yeah. You're going to get pulled over every day. Yeah. Right? So once again, he listened. Got a pickup truck. I said, if you need anything, you let me know. I will help you. Right? So he phoned me the other day. This was probably like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And and this what put me in tears, right? Because he said, listen, he has three of his friends that got killed right, wow. through gun violence, right? And he said, if I wasn't getting up at six in the morning, going to work, right? Coming home, taking care of my kids, I would be hanging with those guys. Wow. And I might have been one of those guys. Wow. Right? So I think that's powerful. And for me, my thing to him... Everything I'm telling you, you tell your two kids. He has a boy yeah. and a girl. Yeah. 
And I said, that will be my legacy to you. And that will be your thanks to me. I don't need you to buy me anything. Right. I don't need you to do any of that stuff. Your job is to tell everything I'm telling you, you tell your kids. And then that legacy will, will grow forever, right? Till the end of time. So now instead of having another gangster on the street that probably got killed, now you have a father who's taking care of his kids and you look at him and think he's a gangster because of the way he's dressed, but he's not. Yeah. You know? Isn't that unfortunate though that we have to, you know, I guess we have to go through that. That that's our norm as far as far as black men. It is, right? it is, and it is unfortunate because even with him, like you would never believe that he never drank a drop of alcohol in his life. Now, granted, he does smoke his weed, but he never drank a drop a drop of alcohol, right? As a young kid coming yeah. up, like you'd never believe that. But that's his intestinal fortitude. Sort of, he doesn't want to drink it, so he's not going to. Yeah. Right. And I told him that's what you need to. You need to hold on to that and use that for everything else that you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Man. yeah, it is unfortunate, but it's a part of reality. And, and for us, we can't use that as an excuse. No, no. We got to push through it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, so many so many people have over, overcome that, right? So yeah. you can't let that be the reason why you don't overcome challenges in That's life. That's correct. And, so. and for me, it's, you got to use that experience to tell other people because yes. other people think they can't overcome. But yes, you can. Yep. Yep. Yes, you can. And sometimes it's just, hey, can I get some help? Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. There's a price for everything, even silence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm in this segment of the show where it's called Thinking Out Loud. Okay. I'm going to have the most random question to ask you right now. Okay. And, <laughs> and How much you time got, do I have before you got to pick answer. one? <laughs> you only got a few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. You got to pick one of the options that I'm going to throw at you. Here it goes. Would you rather fall down in public wearing Speedos or pass gas in church and everyone knows it was you? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely fall down in public with speedos. <laughs> Just because of my history with church, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. No, that was good. That was good. You're trying to avoid your dad catching you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to know it was me, man. <laughs> oh. I love that segment there. It's just it's just to break it up a bit, right? Yeah. Um yeah. so we're nearing the end and I'm I'm curious, how has the pandemic impacted you and your mental health? Yeah, so, so for me, I think um I think like everybody else, it makes you think of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing, right? And on one level I think I am, but yeah. on on the on the second level, I think that I should be doing more, right? So for me, like I said, it's about legacy building and, and what can I leave for my kids, right? Whether it be um, property, whether it be investments, whether it be stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what I'm focused on right now. So, and also getting the message out there, like you said, um, that you can do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's what I'm more focused on now more than ever. I think like with everybody else, you know, because you can't go out, because you can't do this, you can't do that. It sort of affected me negatively that way. Yeah. And uh, and it puts you down, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things I've been doing is I've been meditating, right? So I never truly really meditated before, but now right. I'm doing it every day, right? And I just have the app, like it's real simple. Just have the app and I do it every morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I started working out, right? Um, 
I bought a bunch of stuff that I can do it from home. Right. You know, so I'm trying not to make excuses. Oh, I can't get to the gym, so I can't work out. Right. No, I I went out and bought the stuff and and I'm sort of doing the little bit I can from home. Right. Yeah. Um, And like I I told you before we started was um, my son has this 75 day challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're actually doing two days where you have to work out 45 minutes twice a day. Right. doesn't matter when you do it, but one has to be inside, one has to be outside. Right. Yeah. So it pushes you out of your comfort zone. doesn't matter if it's snowing. doesn't matter if it's raining. you got to get outside. Right. Right. And it doesn't matter what exercise you do, but you just got to do it for 45 minutes. Yeah. Right. So little things like that, I'm sort of uh, pushing through. And I'm finding that as I sort of sort of tag on to these things that I feel so much better, you know, like um, and even that connection with my son, because I said, I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the things is no alcohol, right? Yeah. Read 10 pages of a book every day, right? So we're going to hold each other accountable and we're going to do this, right? Nice. So, um, so, so, that, so I'm sort of grabbing onto that stuff and running with it. But I find that I feel so much better, even taking like a cold shower. Yeah. So that's supposed to be good for you, right? So yeah. what I've been doing is sort of, you know, you take the warm shower, you do all the stuff you need to do, and then the last sort of two minutes is yeah. cold, Yeah. right? And in my mind, Every single time I have an excuse. Oh, you know what? You did it 10 times already. You don't need to do it again. <laughs> like, like I can hear my voice yeah. talking, yeah. you know, and, and I was like, no, nope, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. So, so that's you pushing through. Right. And, and, you know, so, um, yeah, so it's tough, but, but I think we'll all get through it. Nice. Nice. Now it's Black History Month and I'm, I'm curious, what's your perspective on that title, that label, Black History Month? That's the first um, part. And then, oh, for me, sorry, the other, the other part of the question is, what do you think um, are some of our weaknesses as a people? Okay. So, so for me, um, one of the things that, like I'm doing at work is sort of changing policy, right? Right. And one of the things working with the policy analysis is you have to put that in there. So, so you have to say it's Black History Month, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you have to, and then your kids have to hear that. Right? right, because I believe my, I think remember we had the conversation earlier that yeah. your ancestry follows you. Yes. Right. So I think if your kids or yourself even if is not aware of some of the stuff that your ancestors does, because remember, history is based off of whoever writes the book. Right. right? So it's his story. Yeah. Right. And a lot of our all of our accomplishments and the positivity piece has been left out. Yes. Right. Of all history books. So this is the important part to get that out there. Right. And I think if we can connect to the positive side, to the um, all the stuff we've done. Right. Mm. Um, that will awaken that little dim light that's in us from our, our ancestors to sort of say, hey, yeah, yeah, we did that. Right. So you can do that and you can do it 10 times more because you have more technology, because you have more access, because you have more, you know, right. whatever. Right. So I think it's so important that that we celebrate it and that um, especially our kids yeah. inform them. Right. Because the, the, that's why they kept books away. Right. Yeah. So you wouldn't be informed. Right. Right. And right. even now, that's why it, it's about um, distraction. Like I was listening to, um, you know, once again, a podcast and um, he said distracted people keep people distracted. Right. Very true. So that's, yeah. So that's why you have all the, oh, yeah, this cute cat did this, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. who cares about the cute cat, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, it's all about distraction, not letting you focus on what you should be focusing on, yeah. right? So that's why I think Black history and, and the sort of stuff we do yeah. is important. 
and let your kids know. And what do you what do you think some of our strengths and weaknesses are as a people? Yeah, so I think I don't know. Our weaknesses, I think, is that we can't sort of um, coexist and build together, mm-hmm. right? And I think once again, that's a systemic piece, right? right. Because we were always sort of um, made to be apart and and all that sort of stuff. So we need to sort of work through that. Yeah. Right. Even something as simple as like economics. Right. Because economics is, is the sort of driving force for a lot of things. It's everything. Right. Um, if you look at the, the black neighborhoods and black businesses. Right. Can you say that you only go to black businesses and spend your money there? Nope. Right. Exactly. Right. Can you say that when you go to those black businesses, that those black businesses um, represent what they should be representing? And, and I'm talking about as far as. um Excellence. Yeah. Right? No. Everybody knows, man. When you go and you go to get that curry goat, yep. right? What do you get from behind the counter? Right? Some what attitude. You, you know, you're gonna hide the food. Right. You know, we don't have that. You know? <laughs> right? If I go to McDonald's and I ask them for a Big Mac, am I ever told that they're out of Big Mac? Right. Right? So so this is where we need to step up, man. Yeah. You need to step up. It's about customer service. You don't want the black people because the black people will come there because they know you have good curry goat. Right. And they'll deal with your attitude. Right. You want other people coming in yep. and taking their money as well. That's it. Right. That's and it. I think that's where we fall short. Yeah. And I think, I think the other part of it too is we, you know, when we get into business, we lose sight that money doesn't discriminate. That's correct. It, it doesn't. Just, it just flows. It actually doesn't even want to be held. Like, it just wants you to pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. It needs to go. It needs to move. But we like to hoard the money, and businesses don't want to even get interact. I'm like, wait a minute. It's the future. That's correct, yeah. How many people do you think are going to ATMs and taking out cash? That's right. The That's banks right. don't even want us to take out cash. That's right. And even now, the new iPhone, you'll be able to process payments off of your phone. Right. Right. So, so yeah, so that's one thing I think we fall short on, right. Especially with businesses. And for me, it's, it's, we got to learn. And and the only way to learn is to go off of what the successful people are doing. Yeah. Right. McDonald's has a template. Yeah. Use that template. That's it. You know, it's that simple. Yeah. Right. Where do you, where do you see yourself in five years, both personally and professionally or any, any one of those? Yeah, so for me, I think the vision that I'm putting for myself is one of the things I want to do is I want to, you see like the, um, my son's friend's story? Yeah. I want to be able to duplicate that a million times, nice. right? So instead of saying, you know, I did this for this one child, I want to say I did it for um, a million children, right? Right. And And for me, it's something as simple as letting them know that they have a choice and the choice is going to affect them. And they won't realize that if they make it to 50. Right. Right. So, so that's what I see myself doing in the nice. next five years. Right. Like, um, I don't know if I'll still be in the, in my current sort of role of what I'm doing, right. but, um, but that's, that's one of the things that I want to leave. Cause I, I think that's going to be my legacy. Right. Cause yeah. you don't create your legacy. People tell you what your legacy are after you pass away. Yeah. It's because right? the impact. It's the impact, right? Yeah. And what I want is when you say the name Andrew Dixon, there's a smile on your face. Yeah. That's what I want. Right? What are what are three habits that you are currently working to eliminate? 
Okay, so number one, I think, would be procrastination, mm-hmm. right? And um, and, uh, and because I think that's, uh, I mean, I listened to the podcast where they said it's a negative thing. It's a, We all think it's a negative thing, but it may be a positive thing because it tells you that you need to work on something in order to get this ha- to happen. Right. Or you can't do it, so you need to pull somebody in who can help you do it. Right. Right? So that's the number one thing. Um. The second thing would be taking action, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's hand in hand with procrastination, but I think taking action is more of a, a forceful sort of thing that you need to do. Yeah. So if something comes in your mind, don't think about it and try and weigh all the odds and whatever. Just go do it, Yeah. right? Because it's the right thing to do. And then the last thing I think would be not to sort of dwell on the past, right? So there's a lot of things that I think that I should be further ahead in mm-hmm. and I'm not. Right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Right. So I shouldn't put myself down because I'm not there yet. I should just leave that alone. I think that's powerful. I was I was reading uh, two days ago and, and I also heard Mary J's new album. And she's talking about that in one of her songs where it's like she's learning to forgive herself. Yes. Yes. You know, I that's something that, that yeah. as people, just human beings in general, we don't do. We don't do enough of it is forgive ourselves for you know, mistakes or poor decisions or, you know, not being successful at certain things. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's very important that I'm, I'm glad that was one of your things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, can you share an important life lesson that you've learned recently? Recently? Yeah. I would say that no matter how much good you do, right. Mm-hmm. Um, people will still come after you. Right. And attack your integrity and attack your, um, you know, what you stand for. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they don't look at the whole, they look at how it affects them individually. That's right. Right. So, um, so for me is, is that you have to know that, that, um, you know, cause you're going to look at yourself and say, yeah, I'm a good guy. Why are these guys doing this to me? Right. right. But especially when you're kind of trying to create change, mm-hmm. um, some people don't want change. Yeah. Right. So, um, so you just have to sort of deal with that and take it as a grain of salt versus as a sort of insult or, you know, even something bigger than that, right? Yeah. A good a good friend of mine has this uh, phrase that I, I'm running with right now, and she says, people will be peopling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? They'll just be people. You can't, you can't yeah. expect a snake to be a rabbit because you, right. you see it as a rabbit in your head. It's still a snake. It's gonna bite yes, you. Yes, yes, right? because they, they, yeah, because they have that that um that saying, right? So you have this um tortoise and you have a scorpion, yes. right? So the scorpion is asking the tortoise, "Hey, take me across," right? So the the the, the tortoise is like, "No, you're gonna sting me if I right. take you across," right? <laughs> so the, the scorpion is like, "No, I'm not gonna sting you." So okay, so you convince the tortoise to take him across. The tortoise starts swimming across, right in the middle of the lake. The scorpion stings him, right? <laughs> So the tortoise is asking, why do you do that? He's like, I'm a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> right? So <laughs> yeah. So even though they're both going to die and drown, right. the scorpion still does what he does. That's it. That's it. Yeah. People will be peopling. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> is there a recent book that you picked up that you're reading that you can share with us? Now, this is me being selfish because when I hear the name of the book, I go and buy the book and I add it to my library. So <laughs> I'm kind of collecting my own little library when I ask this question. So. Yeah, so so you probably read it already. It's good to great. What right? is it called? It's called Good to Great. 
good to and don't ask me who the author is sorry i'll google it um yeah um i have it upstairs but um but i I, i've listened to it a couple times but now that i'm doing this sort of um 75 day challenge i'm I'm actually reading it right so yeah it's called good to great um and uh, yeah check check that one out if you don't have it already get Mm -hmm. it and what's what's the takeaway for that book just in case anybody so just, listening wants to grab it. Yeah, so it, it teaches you how to move to that next level. Okay. Right. So what does it mean to be good and what does it mean to be great? Uh, right. And a lot of people think that, oh, I got to move mountains and I got to do that. Nope. And uh, no, nope, sometimes it's just one little thing you got to tweak. That's it. Right. Sometimes it's so easy. Like we look at, um, like I was listening to Will Smith's book, right? Yes. I think it's called I am will. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that his dad was saying, because they had to build this wall, brick wall. Right. And they yeah. were always complaining and all this stuff about how you have to build this wall. It's going to take forever. And the dad said, listen, focus on one brick at a time. Stop looking at the whole wall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And by the time you turn around, you built the wall. Wow. Right. Yeah. Just focus on a brick at a time. Man, before we wrap things up, can you leave our listeners with a statement to guide them on their journey? If it's the last thing they hear before they start their day, what would that be? Okay, I, I think this would be um, for all the people with families, right? Or mm-hmm. even if you don't have like, like your personal families with kids and whatever. Right. But, um, but the fight for your family starts with you. So whatever family means to you, that's what I would leave. I would say the fight for your family starts with you, right? So if I'm thinking of um, uh, like if you want to really take care of your family, you got to take care of yourself first. So even if you're on the airplane, right? So, you know, when you go through the whole thing and the spiel and the, yeah. you know, they're, they're telling you, here's all the stuff you do if anything goes wrong. Right. What do they tell you to do when the mask comes down? Put yours on first. Put it on yourself first, right? Because if you pass out, you can't help that child beside you. Right. Right. So that's what I would say. You know, take care of yourself first, whether it's health, whether it's mental state, whether it's whatever. Take care of yourself first because that's the only way you'll be able to take care of your family. And really and truly, that's what life's about. I can't save the world, yeah. right? But I can, you know, maybe save my family members, right. right? And then that can now be extended, and then that can be extended, right? And then eventually, you know, you'll engulf the world. Man, I want to thank you. and Thank you and thank you for doing this today. It was a treat. I got to learn more about you, and I'm sure everybody that's going to tune in is also going to appreciate the gems that you dropped. Um, Make sure you tune in, share the episode. I want to thank all my listeners. I want to thank Andrew once again for blessing the show with your presence. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Until next episode, love, peace, and nappiness.